Welcome to Tales of History and Imagination. Eccentric Tales from History by Simone Whitlock. Hi everybody, just a quick note. Uh, technically, Tales of History and Imagination is on a break until mid-July. So I can make a start on the second half of the year. In reality, we're picking up quite a few new listeners on the podcast of the moment, and I wanted to keep that momentum going, so the following is a quick minisode. Sometimes, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, can be advised to live or to die by. The phrase was most likely first said in a 387 AD interaction between future Doctor of the Catholic Church, St. Augustine, and his then boss, St. Ambrose. Having taken a job teaching rhetoric to the rich kids of Milan, Augustine observed how odd it was. In Rome, the students fasted on a Saturday. But in Milan, nobody fasted. Ambrose uttered something akin to when in Rome. The phrase hung around with slight alteration over the years till it appeared verbatim in a 1777 book of letters, written by recently deceased Pope Clement XIV. Regardless of etymology, we all get it. When in Amsterdam, it's okay to smoke a little weed in a cafe, but tobacco in a cafe is verboden. In the United Arab Emirates, public displays of affection may get you arrested, and pulling a full-on Karen in the souk could get you deported. In Nepal, one should never accept a gift with a left hand. In Brazil, I'm told, a thumbs up is appreciated, while the OK symbol, even before alt-right goons subverted it into a white power symbol, is considered the height of rudeness. In Japan, you never give four of anything as a gift, as their words for four and death are so similar. And you sure as hell never do what Charles Lennox Richardson did. Charles Lennox Richardson was born in London, England on 16th April, 1834. Coming from a wealthy family, he launched into a successful mercantile career in his late teens. By 1853, a growing European interest in Orientalism brought him to Shanghai, China. Chinese porcelain had been the height of sophistication for hundreds of years in Central Asia and in the Near East, before Europeans discovered their intricate, beautiful pottery. The first known pieces reached Europe in the 15th century by way of Istanbul. In the 17th century, as direct trade commenced between the Dutch East India Company and China, Chinese porcelain became a must-have for the middle-class European. The Dutch East India Company imported an estimated 35 million pieces between 1600 and 1685 alone. In Richardson's time, it remained so popular that in 1862, the then 28-year-old announced he'd made his fortune, was retiring, and was returning to England to live the high life. On his way back, Richardson planned to holiday in Yokohama, Japan. When in Rome is one thing when the Romans have full sovereignty. But what happens when an interloper arrives 
and sets up several Vatican cities in the region, where their own rules apply. Well, Yokohama was one such treaty port. Officially, treaty ports were cities open to trade with, and largely occupied by the Occidental nations of the West. Most came about because an Occidental nation bullied the locals into unequal treaties by gunboat diplomacy. China and Japan had decided their best interests were served by letting European powers build European cities on their land. These treaty ports, full of European people, living in European-style houses, were governed as if they still lived in Europe. Trade happened largely on the interlopers' terms. Interloper laws applied within the treaty ports. China and Japan could have decided otherwise, but it was heavily inferred that to do so would bring dire consequences from these heavily armed interlopers. Taking in the buildings, clubs, churches, restaurants, even racecourses, one might easily convince themselves when in Rome did not apply here. Now, Japan finally shook off the burden of treaty ports in 1899, after an incredibly fast modernization process meant they no longer had to put up with the interlopers. But this was in 1862. So what happens when outside Yokohama? On 14th September 1862, Richardson and three other Brits abroad rented horses to do a little sightseeing. They intended to view the temple of Kawasaki Daishi, around 20 kilometers northeast of Yokohama. Before they departed, they were advised the laws were different outside the treaty port. 1862 was at the tail end of the Tokugawa shogunate. A network of local warlords, daimyo, effectively ruled the land like feudal barons. They left Yokohama behind, entering Shimazu Hiramitsu's world. It has been explicitly said, if you cross paths with a daimyo, get off your horse immediately and bow to the man. Travelling along the Takedo Road, through the village of Namamugi, the party did cross paths with a daimyo, as he was carried along on a palanquin. Did Charles Lennox Richardson heed the advice of St Ambrose? Or did he make out like many a 21st century social media influencer might? Like, say, Czech fitness models Solowina Dolezalova and Zdenks Loka, who disrespected a Hindu temple in Abud, Indonesia in 2019 when they frolicked in the holy water. Or perhaps like Instagram influencer Vitaly Zdorovitsky, who was caught in 2020 trying to climb a pyramid in Giza, Egypt. Richardson, ever the influencer, chose the latter route. He rode towards the palanquin, allegedly boasting to his friends. He had lived among the Chinese for years and, to quote, knew how to deal with these people. Two samurai drew their weapons and cut the man to shreds. So what happened next? Richardson's body was recovered and brought back to Yokohama for burial. Word soon spread to the authorities in Yokohama of Richardson's arrogance and gross mistreatment of the Chinese while a merchant in Shanghai. His own uncle allegedly laid the blame for the incident on Richardson's foolhardiness and arrogance. And he even begged the British not to chase restitution for his murder. 
All the same, Britain felt they had to act. In spite of his reputation, the Westerners of Yokohama were outraged by the killing. The British charged the affairs, Edward St John Neal, asked everyone to remain calm, but the Occidentals were having none of it. Under pressure, Neil finally made a demand to the Tokugawa shogunate itself for a public apology, for the killers to be handed over, and for a hundred thousand pound in reparations. Neil stated under the extraterritoriality clause of their treaty, no daimyo or samurai had the right to punish a British citizen. The shogunate, wincing at the prospect, of handing over a third of the government's annual budget and reparations, negotiated the figure down to £25,000. But then negotiations fell apart. The daimyo of Satsuma, the region where Richardson was killed, refused to apologise for the killing. Under Japanese Kirisute Gomen law, and I may be mispronouncing that, a samurai was entitled to murder someone of a lower order if they were disrespected by them. The daimyo refused to apologize, or to hand the two responsible samurai over to the British, when in Rome, after all. On 15th of August, 1863, a squadron of British warships was sent to Kagoshima, the daimyo's capital, under the command of Sir Augustus Leopold Cooper, the squadron attempted to seize merchant ships in lieu of payment. The Satsuma military fired on the ships with their cannons. The British fired back. When the fighting ended on the 18th, Japanese casualties in the Anglo-Satsuma War, well, they were low. The Japanese had had plenty of time to evacuate the citizens inland, leaving samurai to watch the boats in the harbour and operate their 80 cannons. All up, three British warships were damaged, three Japanese ships sunk, British casualties ran to 20 dead and 53 wounded. The daimyo lost five men with 20 more injured. The British inflicted heavy property damage on the daimyo's capital, however, causing the destruction of close to 500 buildings. Rare as it ever is for me to offer any kind of travel advice, today I'll make an exception. When in Rome, do as the Romans do seems sensible to me. I might also add, when in Rome, try not to be a vandal. Thank you for listening. This has been Tales of History and Imagination. All episodes written and narrated by me, Simone Whitlow. All music, yours truly. Visit the show at historyandimagination.com. You can follow me on social media, links in the show notes, and get access to exclusive bonus content via my Patreon, also in the notes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a like on your podcatcher of choice and share the episode as word of mouth is the best way to help shows like this grow. See you back in two weeks' time for more tales of history and imagination.